We've done it. Savor it. Drink it in. It's first win of the season. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough podcast that gives you all of your Borough match day chatter in a podcast. And yes, we have won a game. It's been 84 years. Um, I've aged significantly. <laughs> but we are here. Middlesbrough finally won a league game. Um, and all things are rosy once again uh, in Teesside. Guys, key takeouts uh, now from the week. Obviously, we've... <laughs> You know, on, on Tuesday could have been the worst thing in the world, and then Saturday we're all jubilant and happy. Uh, Dana, what was your key takeout from this week? I think my key takeout from the week is that the bad, and I mean the rank bad, makes the good feel so much better. Because when the full time whistle went yesterday, it honestly felt like we just secured safety from relegation. It was really weird, but it was that joy embroidered in relief that we finally clinched that first win. And you know what? I stood there and I was really, really proud of Borough because we won and that was obviously the most important thing, but we had the performance to boot, a really good performance to boot. And just so, so, so happy that we could come on here and we can talk about a win because it feels like it's been ages since the last time that we could get behind a mic and talk about a Borough win. So I'm so happy, so, so relieved and hopefully onwards and upwards from here. Yeah, Tom, um, how are you feeling from the week? What was your key takeout? <sighs> key takeout is I'm just so buzzing to have had a, a, a normal Saturday back where you know I've, I've been able to watch the <laughs> AFL highlight show and match of the day afterwards rather than not wanting anything to do with football. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it, it was great yesterday uh, to, to just get that, that result. And you know what as well, that is genuinely more like it and more like what we want to see in terms of tactics. It wasn't perfect. There were passing moves I thought that were just like one one ball off, really. But it it was much better. Obviously, anything was going to be much better than than Tuesday's game. It was pretty much rock bottom, so it couldn't get any worse. But it was such a turnaround, and you know I've been waiting all season for it to click. I'm not saying that was it there. Certainly wasn't perfect, but it looked a lot more like what we had last season. Yeah, and and, and for my uh, key take, I'll, um, I, I was going to kind of go on what you were saying there, talking about rock bottom. I actually thought that first half against Sheffield Wednesday was rock bottom. Uh, I don't think that could get any worse uh, than, than what we've seen. It was a really, really poor first half. The second half was a lot better, and, we, and we'll speak about it in just a moment. But I thought that if there's any turning point, I always feel like there's always a turning point in football where when you're in a really bad running form or like you'll hit a peak moment when you're playing really well, then something will start to change. And I feel like that was the moment. And I mean, it couldn't have got much worse, really. Unless we got like someone sent off as well and, and someone threw a season ticket at, well, I can't really throw a season ticket with a digital ticket to now throw the phone um, <laughs> at like Carrick or something. That would have definitely been rock bottom or even worse than that. But yeah, that was definitely the, the case. But 
Saturday was was just fantastic. When you know to go behind, we played really well in throughout the game. I thought, and it wasn't perfect by any means, but it was really good to to get us uh, back to winning ways. But we'll speak about Sheffield Wednesday now because I feel like we have to because I feel like it all builds into the performance on on Saturday. And we made a few changes: Engel, Silvera, McGree, and Corbin in for Bangura, House and Force, and Latte Laugh. And Force and Bangura are injured and they're out for a few weeks. But it was Corbin's first start since uh, Swansea in April 2022, so a long time. He has grown uh, about six inches wide and in height uh, <laughs> since we've last seen him. He's absolutely huge. Joshy TRT Corbin. Now, uh, but Tom, what were your thoughts on the start in 11? Because we had made changes. You know, you, you got to say, well, at least Carrick was trying to change things. But what what were your thoughts on starting eleven in that game? I think Lucas Angle had a very difficult evening. He did, yeah. Um, obviously, that that was more of an enforced change due to Bangura being injured, which was a shame because I thought Bangura looked really positive in that position and and you know provided similar to what O'Brien did yesterday. But then looking at the rest of the team, I thought it was it was a bold selection to uh, to include Corburn. I think there were a few calls that that people did want to see him. Not as many as the you know hundreds of calls to have McGree in the team, and and that was finally <laughs> uh, finally seen. Silvera sticking in there though, I didn't quite under understand. I don't think it's unfair to say he's not been great in the first seven games of this season. So well, it would have been six up until that point, but I, I didn't think he deserved a start on merit. Uh, that could have easily gone to Jones or or Rogers, but um, yeah. I, it, it seemed a bit of a, a bold selection, like I say. Well, like you said, Johnny Carrick was trying new things to to try and get that result, uh, and and wasn't necessarily sticking with the same formula there. Yeah, and you know, obviously the changes the the sometimes are beneficial and the sometimes aren't, and you can't get, always get everything right. But what was your overall assessment then? Because you'd think that changes will try and make improvements, but that first half. I, I... Let's just discuss it, Dana. What was your assessment? Mate, that was a turgid game of football. <laughs> Whoever at Sky decided to put that as the televised game, like primetime Tuesday evening entertainment, must have been regretting it after about 40 minutes. Like If they thought that Borough were going to offer something, then they didn't, because we were so devoid of quality and confidence. And I thought we were, again, quite passive. I think this season, Borough have been a team that wait for things to happen. And then when we inevitably got a goal down, we throw our hands up in the air and wonder why. But we're not aggressive off the ball. I feel like we are quite passive. And then when you see Lucas Engel getting cooked by Paul Valentin on on our left-hand side, I think that's your reason why. And it was just a really dismal performance. I think that first half was as bad as I've seen us under Michael Carrick. It was really, really lacking any sort of quality. The fact that we basically stepped off Sheffield Wednesday, who are the worst team in the league, as much as we did, just showed how crap we also were at that point. I thought things improved when Zai Jones was brought on. I think I said to you in the group chat that we need a bit more of a direct threat, you know, 1v1, someone that can really exploit that space behind the wingbacks because Sheffield Wednesday will play that wingback system and to get around the outside of them. And so when Jones came on, it was no surprise to see that Borough had really improved and stepped up performance level and it coincided really with with Riley McGree shifting over to that right hand side and linking up well with Jones and, and Crooks and it I think it just allowed us to be a little bit quicker on the ball because you have those combinations where you can move it around Sheffield Wednesday and you know slip that ball down the line into space for Jones and it, it was working 
And then the the change in point that basically reverted Borough back to the performance in the first half was when Michael Carrick took off Riley McGree. Listen, Riley McGree was not anywhere near the best player on the pitch at any point in that game, but he took him off when he was starting to get really effective and influencing the game. Greenwood came on. I must admit, I forgot Greenwood was on the pitch for about 10 minutes, but his position in the game was to roam into those central areas because I think his natural instinct is maybe to get into the box to try to score, get on the end of the cross. Whereas Riley McGree is the one that tries to basically progress the build-up towards the cross. So we didn't see that combination play on that right-hand side anymore and it slowed the pace of the game down. And I think that was a big, big mistake from Carrick. And then the rest of the game was just as crap as it was in the first half. So honestly, it felt like a defeat. I know we got a point from that game, but I think the performance was so bad that it it felt like a defeat. Yeah, and I think to sum up my mind, like I had one screen with my Aberdeen career mode uh, on for on FIFA, which I'm really enjoying. We're, we're on the verge of uh, winning the treble in, in Scotland, <laughs> and uh, um, and then on the other side, it was we're watching Middlesbrough. And I was like, just going, I don't really want to watch Middlesbrough anymore. I'm sick of them. Yeah, that first half was dreadful. Of course, you know, I thought Engel was really exposed and got caught so many times and. I think he just needs a bit of time out, and you know, I mean, look, I gave him a five out of five, and we all make mistakes. And I'll, uh, Sorry, I'll I said own that it. We'd finish second. <laughs> hey, but at least, well, to be fair, there is still time. I remember it, when when Mark mm. when Mark Waller and Dyke Steele came, and they were horrendous under Jonathan Woodgate, and then they got really got a lot better and under Neil Warnock. So that there is time, there is time to improve. But also, the season is still very early. Top two is probably gone to Um, I'll be honest. Well, oh, you never yeah, know. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, plus, you never know. 28 points. Um, <laughs> you never, ever, ever know. But um, yeah, in that second half, a lot better. Our combinations were much better. We started to grow into the game. It was very much set up for me. We were growing into the game for us to get beat at that point because I thought we'd just go there, just go the other end and score. And that would be very typical for And that would kind of show where we were at. And it was really frustrating for us to watch. Um, but Tom, why do you think that game was just so low in quality? There is obviously a one positive, which I'm going to come to in a second. But why, why, why do you think that game was just so low? I, I think, um, I think Carrick mentioned it in his post-match interview, and, and it was to do with confidence. We did not look like a confident team there. I think, I think in our team there are some players whose confidence seems to remain consistently high, and they still will be trying things. I think Hayden Hackney's a, a great example of that, but. As a whole, that team was not confident, and I think that was really reflected in the display. However, that said, you know, based on yesterday's result, I do wonder if that has shown that Carrick identified that problem within the Sheffield game and, and addressed it over the course of the week before yesterday's game. I would say that it's probably been a gradual thing, the confidence dip in that much. I haven't noticed it as much in uh, in other previous games, but that Sheffield game, it was it was plain to see. There was a positive, though, Tom. There's more than a positive. You know it. I know it. The podcast listeners know it. Daryl Lenahan scored, Tom. Um, <laughs> let me know how, how are you feeling. You know, it's finally came. That moment has finally came. I remember that that shot a few couple of weeks ago where it just. I thought, oh my god, he's going to shoot from like thirty yards and didn't. Well, that was the moment. But 
It, the, the moment has arrived, Tom. I, I, the moment I never doubted him. I was always confident he was going to score. It's a shame Riley McGree couldn't have a shot on target that game to win me 400 quid, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that, at least that part of me, Beth Builder, finally paid off. Yeah. So does this mean that Lenahan anytime is, is still going to go on? Or are we are we going to shift to a different player now? So are we going to go Vandenberg anytime? Or are we going to go... <laughs> you know, that, uh, that's not a bad show. I had Coburn anytime yesterday. It was good for him when... Bazunu somehow saved it despite getting megged and putting it over the bar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. like, oh, yeah. I was just fully expecting that to hit the roof of the net as soon as he hit it and, and, and it bounced off uh, Bazunu. But yeah, I'll, I'll maybe uh, maybe leave Coburn alone next game to see if that helps him. But um, Vandenberg, anytime's a pretty good shout. We did score yeah. from a corner. We've I know we focused it on Lenahan scoring, but it was from a corner. So are we now a corner team? Don Goodman. It's- um well you know set piece team we 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 try to improve things i guess off the pitch and this could be the start i mean i mean we could have said that in the first two corners against southampton were absolutely horrendous they were, uh, yeah did, did so... you notice that there was like a, an ironic cheer when lewis o'brien yeah. came past the first one <laughs> oh god but we did score against and he he was the one that took the corner against Sheffield Wednesday so I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna give him too much stick for those ones against Southampton yeah that's true yeah that, that's true but the, the, there is still a stat that still remains Tom and I think this could be a nice little bet for you for the next game but Borough still I mean the concede the concede first every time so maybe Borough first goal scorer could be the the, the bet to put on the next couple of games but just before uh, we move on to uh, the Southampton game. I just want to quickly give a shout out to our SS66 and also our Borough Breakdown shirts. We are all kitted up today and they're available for a li- very limited time only. So if you do want one of these glorious all and ever wear shirts, yeah, they're available for a very limited time only. Go, go back until uh, next week. So if you want one, go and get one. And then also some breaking news for you as well. We've been nominated. We're in the finals again uh, in Football Content Awards for a second consecutive year for best football podcast in the EFL. So thank you very much for everyone voting for us. We really, we really, really do appreciate it. And if you do like this podcast and if you've listened to a minute or 56 minutes or you listen from the very, very start, do give us a vote and you can vote by going to the, the FCS website. It's split 50-50 uh, between the votes on the website and social media and the judges as well. So we really do need your vote if you can do that as well. So go on. Yeah, the videos for the nominated, we'll have an updated one for the yeah. uh, actually voting for the finalists because I think that's just a little bit different. But basically the same, that you go to the Football Content Awards website and um, head to the best podcast in the EFL. We should be listed this time. You had to fill us in last time. And yeah, vote for us there. So hopefully we can go one step better this year and place. That would be fantastic. Yeah, see, it only takes a minute to uh, make someone's day. And you can make our day by just uh, voting for us in that Public Content Awards as well. But let's talk about Southampton then, shall we? Because we finally, finally won 84 years later. It's taken a minute. It's taken us time. But goals from Ryan McGree and Johnny House and Gabe Borough, all three points. Ah, yes, I was very, very happy at full time. Very full as well for my uh, chips and gravy and, and pork as well and stuff. And it was, it was, I got the works Good yesterday. It, it was like, honestly, it was like a mountain of food. And I felt the so, yeah, I felt so ill Classic. after that. I was like, oh my God, I'm so tired. But with the Borough winning, sure, did wake me up. But guys, it's our first win of the season. We can finally talk about a win. 
let's get our general assessment first. Dana, come to you again. Overall assessment, how would you feel? Elated that we won. And as I said at, at the top of the show, that performance was much better, much, much better. What we really wanted to see from Borough, what we hoped to see at the beginning of the season, you could see within the first like five minutes what our intent was towards that game. I think we had Isaiah Jones really high on the right. We had Lewis O'Brien was quite often the spare man on the left in uh, parts of the first half because we saw a return of the 3-2-5. And I texted you guys, didn't I? And I said, 3-2 effing 5, mate. I could cry except my autocorrect, autocorrected um, effing to ducking as it usually does. But I was so happy to see it because it it just, it works so well. We'll get onto that a little bit later. But I thought Jones was terrific in that game. He really was. In terms of his attacking, his final ball was really good. And his combinations, a lot of the time we actually had a bit of an overload on that right-hand side, which I don't think we've seen because we actually had that width. And the width has been missing this season because we've had our wide players come narrow and attack that space centrally whereas I just don't think it's really been working for us so it was really good to see that Borough were moving the ball quicker because we had the option to play those um, nice little combination passes between Crooks and and Vandenberg and Jones on that right hand side we had the option to then switch it on the left because uh, Lewis O'Brien was in that space that was opened up by Riley McGree doing his thing and, and playing that Riley McGree role that we're, we're now going to call it. And it was just so, just so much better. There's stuff to say about Southampton as well, but who cares? You know, we were much better and much improved performance and just so, so happy. That goal before half time as well really was the perfect time to score because I actually thought when we conceded, it was rather unfortunate because we were the better team at that point, in my opinion. And it was just so good to see that, that we'd scored before halftime because I think that really lifted us going into, going into the break. And then, yeah, to get that penalty from, from House and, and him doing the gritty as well. I mean, we are all just absolutely buzzing, aren't we? And and that's another thing that just makes you smile. 35-year-old Johnny House and making his son really happy doing a fortnight dance. Who would have seen that coming? <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't on my bingo card this year, was it? No. Um, definitely not, you know. Uh, I thought it was like one of those things where when you you play like pro clubs or you're um you just play FIFA anyway and someone scores and you just do like a random you allocate a celebration to them. Like there was like, kind of like one of those moments I felt like, like someone icon Roy Keane doing a dab. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it was just like it felt very odd. Tom, let me hear your thoughts on the game and, and the overall assessment as well. Cause I'm ass- I'm assuming you're gonna be delighted here, but this is where you say no. So um, are you delighted or are you not? <laughs> oh, man, I'm buzzing with it. Um, <laughs> I, I really kind of echo what Dana was saying there, that we were the better team even before Southampton scored. It was very unfortunate. Obviously came from our mistake playing out of the back and it was kind of really gifted to them. But I, I was really unimpressed with Southampton yesterday, uh, just as, as kind of a starting point on that. But in terms of our performance, it was it was much better. We didn't look like the same team that played on Tuesday. I was not looking forward to seeing Lewis O'Brien at left back before in the game because yeah. I was just like, we've got this great centre midfielder. We're not kind of like utilising his actual talents and stuff, but he did so well. I mean, I, I can't really say many people in the team didn't do well, if any. Um, I do remember in the uh, in the first half before we scored, I was uh, I was talking my my group chat to me, my mate at work and. 
I said there's more goals in this game and we're going to get them. The typical reply from them was like, oh, I wish I had your optimism and stuff like that. But you could <laughs> see the the game was going that way. It was going that way before Southampton scored. They never really looked threatening afterwards. And, and Although I will say I was a bit nervous and tense towards the end of the game where we were pretty much heading everything out of our box. But um, yeah, it, it looked like it was only ever going to go one way. And, and one thing I, I did really like yesterday not necessarily that from the team, but the fans were getting behind little things so well. Like the, you could expect after the run we've been on for the Riverside to be a, a little bit toxic, but after some of the passing plays we were doing, just kind of like little things like that, maybe defensive clearances and stuff, people were getting behind it, and there was like a longer than usual applause and and you know cheering and stuff. I, I feel like that must have boosted the players as well. Like I said earlier, the Sheffield Wednesday game was looked look like you know, rock bottom in terms of confidence, but we did seem to grow in confidence throughout the game yesterday, and I, I would probably say the fans had a, a small part to play in that as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that the positive reinforcements always a good thing. I mean, like not being funny, but if you call someone, they're not going to do the best things either. <laughs> like, just like, let's let's be let's be really honest here. Like, let's be honest. Like, it's not going to be the it's not you're not going to do a lot, are you? So. <laughs> Um, but I think that positive, that positive side definitely does uh, back up for the part. But Thomas, I want to go back to what you mentioned there about Southampton. You weren't impressed. Um, they have now lost four in a row, you know, sliding down the table. You know, there's a lot of eyes on Southampton this year. Um, but what what made you like not so impressed with them? They, they didn't ever look like they were likely to do anything. I thought, other than the goal, which we gifted them pretty much, they never really looked that threatening when they were getting on the ball. Yeah, it took a while to to get it back off them. They are generally good in possession, but that's it. It's like they were playing a game of keep ball with where that is the only objective. Because they, they were keeping the ball well, but they weren't ever looking like they were they were going to go forward and threaten. I was on a Southampton podcast earlier this week, and we were talking about the game. The Southampton fan was saying, in possession, a lot of our players look scared. They try and give it to other people to to do something with it. The fans are getting on them. And I was like, oh, this is sounding familiar. So by the end, end of the, the thing, and he was asking for predictions, he said we were going to beat them. I also kind of did that in my score prediction. But I was also thinking you sound in a very similar situation to us at the moment. Sounds like it could be very easily be a, a nil-all game. Both teams just cancel each other out and be a shocking performance. But fair play to us. We, we picked it up and, and they didn't. And it must be a bit of a frustrating time for, for their fans now. Because some of the uh, some of Martin said on that podcast was um, that that first game of the season where they broke that thousand pound thousand uh, pass record, um, pound record. <laughs> they've lost James Ward Prowse and Teller from the squad since then, and apparently they've just not looked the same. And like I said, they just didn't look threatening yesterday at all. Yeah, and yeah, I remember I remember seeing all those like those pages on Twitter as well saying uh, they've, had, they've had like nine passes. The, the centre backs have been doing somersaults and they're doing something with something, and they look great. And I was like, did they? Like I just thought they were absolutely rubbish. I, I don't know what it is with Russell Martin's sides, and I, I'm just not on board with it. I just feel like his teams are just a bit messy, and it, it feels like. They're so expansive. Like they'll try and, and you could see it yesterday with how Bora were playing, where they were trying to press. And every time Bora pressed, they were very narrow. So obviously the shit like you would see their wing backs get really far to the touchline. And that's all well and good. And if you can get your wing back to the touchline and they can bring the ball forward, it's great. 
But where does the ball have to go? It has to go narrow at some point because you want to try and score. And then Borough had the bodies already in there and recovered quite well. So it was like kind of like, well, you're just passing sometimes too far wide, slowing the game down. And it's just pass side to side, no real intent. And they're just not really creating much. And if I was Southampton, I'd be really frustrated by the, the way they've started the season. I think there's, there is quality in that side. And I was looking at the team yesterday. I was like, wow, this is just, this is a team that, is really underperforming. I don't know what it is. I just don't think he, 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 he suits. I just don't think he suits Southampton at all. And that may be a bit too early for, for me to say that. They might get it right. They might grow in confidence. They might do a lot better things towards the end of the season. They're a good team. They will be up there. But I just don't know what it is. I'm just not all in on, on Russell Martin at all. Like, not at all. But we can't say what you think, Dana, as well. Like, just like Southampton as well. Like, just... I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time with it, but they just didn't. They didn't wow me yesterday. So I don't know what you think as well. They didn't wow Tommy either. So I'm assuming you'd be in agreement. No, I thought they were limp. When you look at their team, there's no significant strength. And we were talking last night about them. Their passing patterns are a part of their stylistic makeup. They they weren't even really dominating possession yesterday either. I thought that I was going to be bored by Russell Martin's dance of a thousand passes, like Clive said on our opposition insight. But I didn't really see that. Yeah, I think, and I said this to you yesterday, I think that maybe what Russell Martin will want and the time that he will want to really in- integrate this journey is at odds with the expectation that Southampton have. Like the last time that Southampton were in the championship was, God, it was 2012, wasn't it? When Marouane Zamama put that free kick past them. So it's, you know, they've been a Premier League team for a long time. They'll have expectations to go straight back up. And I just think that with Russell Martin, he's perfect for a Swansea because they don't have that expectation. They will allow that time for mistakes to be made and for development to be fostered. But he'll probably get sacked. Southampton will probably still go up because a lot of the parachute payment teams do. But yeah, the struggle at the moment will be for strength for them. But it's kind of what you really have with Russell Martin. They're Teams are defensive mess, and yeah, he just passes for the sake of it without much to do with it, really. Yeah, and, and look at the out of like the teams that have came down this season. Like Leicester, obviously top of the month, they haven't been amazing, but they're getting results. Leeds are starting to look really good now. They've really started to find their groove, but Southampton are just off for me. I think there's always mm-hmm. one team out the few of them that tend to like struggle a little bit. But I think that's a, the team for for this year. But it's very very early doors; things can change. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. You mentioned earlier about Borough shifting to a 3-2-5 game in possession. A lot was said about it last year where we try and move people over and create space on the left-hand side. wasn't really the same as last year, but you'd see Middlesbrough tweak system just slightly again. Uh, why, why do you think that was and how do you think it impacted us? I think it harnesses a balance in the team because Borough can have Riley McGree floating in centrally whilst maintaining that width. And as I said previously, Borough have changed tack to have their wide players 
move inwards and, and, and go centrally, except they're moving into a condensed area of the pitch. I feel like if you want a winger like Silvera, for example, who stylistically is going to cut inside and try to shoot, then I feel like you need to balance that with with actual width. Somebody that's going to go out on the outside of a fullback and deliver a ball into the box from the byline, be it along the floor or you know, lofted into the box like we saw with Jones yesterday. The three-two-five just allows Borough to have that fluidity. You saw at points um, Hayden Hackney was dropping deeper to pick up the ball or to cover that space that was left by Lewis O'Brien in that left-back area. And it really complements the movement of the pieces of the jigsaw, really, I think. And I was really sad to see that that Carrick did abandon it. A few people have said that why is Carrick sticking with the same way of playing as last season? Well, he hasn't. He did change. And I think that's been one of our problems because the the 424, what we mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, I think he's trying to maybe bring about this defensive solidity. But because we have the four the four defenders, the two midfielders and the four forwards, those four forwards, they're quite narrow. So we we didn't have the width. We had Lucas Engel put on the brakes and get a nosebleed whenever he went past the halfway line. It wasn't working. I think that was very clear to see. But with the three, two, five, I think it just, I don't know, it just works. We can have the width. We can have the central threat with Riley McGree and, and the strikers. And I, I was really happy to see it yesterday. Geeking out on the three, two, five, but it's something that worked really well last season. Yes, we have different players, but I don't think we should have fully abandoned it the way that we did. So hopefully we can see it continue because I just think it it brings about this real balance and it works and it worked yesterday. So I was, I was happy to see that. Yeah, it's just that nice 5-5 five, five balance in it. You know, five players going forward, five players sticking back. It kind of gives you that solidity yeah. that you need. But Tom, you mentioned uh, something on group channel one, you should kind of share here, but like defensively, we've seen a slight shift yesterday especially on goal kicks i know we we do love a goal kick on this podcast because it can tell you a lot about uh play but what, what did you see yesterday and how was it effective yeah i thought this was interesting and i don't know if this was a change specifically for southampton or whether or not we're, we're going to adopt this more going forwards but we seem to be setting up in a bit of a 4-1-4-1 for goal kicks and the way we were pressing would be coburn obviously going first and then behind him you had jones Crooks, uh, Hackney and, and McGree all pressing up in, in a solid line of four and, and you know trying to prevent them really from, from playing out from the back. So it's going to be interesting to see if that carries on. And something else I noticed as well was our, our kind of pressing in general was much better yesterday. It did seem like whenever a Southampton player had the ball, especially in our, our half of the pitch, it took us, you know, between one to three seconds for someone to get there and start hassling them, which I don't think we've seen in the previous games. I think I feel like there's been a lot of standing off, trying to to play facing the ball in, in defence and pretty much inviting the pressure on, which hasn't worked. But in terms of the pressing, we were winning the ball back, at least in my opinion, a, a lot more yesterday than I've seen in previous games. And then finally on the... On a defensive aspect, I just want to point out that I absolutely love the uh, the tactical foul from Hayden Hackney uh, when Southampton were going to go on a counter-attack because it was such a, a blatant, cynical foul in their half of the pitch, so it wasn't preventing goal-scoring goal opportunity or anything. But 
I love to see a good old-fashioned like Adam Clayton style tactical foul uh, <laughs> just to to stop the momentum in a game. Yeah, it's a nice little rugby tackle. It's it's always it's always beautiful to see. I mean, it wasn't very rugby esque for Hayden Hackney yesterday, but it was still good. It's always part of the, part of the game. And I think just what you were saying there on that four one four one Tom, I think when the game was getting played outside of the goal kick board, we're definitely in that four two three one shape. It was very much. Uh, narrow as well we were trying to occupy those central areas and I think that's the I think central areas is, is the key part of the, of the game yesterday we won that midfield battle we were able to turn possession over try to get forward create like really amplifying and, and getting ahead of their mistakes and we were able to really be much more assertive in the game and we've said about this in the last few episodes we just need to be a bit more assertive in games we need to start pressing as a unit everything that you kind of want from a team and we did that really really well yesterday and it was just good to see. I really do like that four-one-four-one formation. Will I see it in the future? Who knows? But you know, it's it's nice to kind of have those different types of shapes and have the protection and balance when you are without the ball. So hopefully, when we start to turn things over, we have the we have the bodies in the central areas to really take advantage of those, especially against those teams that play very very wide. And but yeah, we'll we'll soon see from that. But Tom, like, we're on about like things clicking and people's pressing as a unit. It was seven out of the eleven yesterday. Um, we're at the club last season. Obviously, I'm going to exclude Corburn from it because Corburn was out on loan. Uh, Dieng O'Brien and Vandenberg were the, were the four uh, new players. Well, I'm going to say new for this for this part point. But we've been talking about waiting for it to click. Do you think that the familiarity of having those players or seven of the eleven yesterday, or well eight if you want to count Corburn being at the club yesterday, really helped make that transition or that moment to, for us to click? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think any of us would know about kind of being part of that dressing room. But what I would say is that the the players added to that formation now, all I mean, everyone played well yesterday and they are no exception. I did feel more comfortable with McGree and Jones being the uh, attacking midfielders rather than, say, like Silvera and Rogers or... Uh, any of the new players, that's not necessarily a, a knock on them. I don't know why the feeling was that I felt more comfortable, but it, it did seem more familiar. And, I mean, we haven't even got to the present place yet, but Jones was outstanding yesterday and looks like he's he's getting back to his best and, and doing what people want from him on that right-hand side. Yeah, I, I would say... They, it, it's possible that they could have helped the uh, the newer players through it. There was a point on BBC T's, I think, where they said um, we were playing more players who hadn't played together in the first few games, and they, it was no surprise that they looked like they'd never played together before. Whereas there were more yesterday, so that that's certainly a point I can. Uh, I can I can see and there probably is a case for. Yeah, and just drip feeding these players back in and, and trying to get things to work. Because, yeah, there is talent in these players. It's trying to get them back in the squad and trying to get the... But also, it's trying to get the best players out on the pitch and when can we utilise everyone collectively. And it'll change for each team because each team has different weaknesses and different strengths as well. But, Dana, Lewis O'Brien at left-back yesterday. And I, I remember you saying on... A, on our Sell Lowdown video of Lewis O'Brien, we will play him in a different position that won't utilise him effectively, and he's playing at left-back. Uh, so I want to revisit that. Uh, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, I did say that, didn't I? It's like, I really hope we don't underuse, <clears throat> excuse me, or um, or misuse Lewis O'Brien. Yeah, when I saw that leaked team from hell on Saturday morning from Phil Stamp, Berwick Hillsborough, I thought, oh my God, I'm going home. I hadn't even left home yet, but it's like I'm going home because it was Lewis O'Brien at left back. And 
I thought, I don't really want to see him there. But to be fair, he was effective there. And I think I can see why Carrick would put Lewis O'Brien at left back because he's a very technically gifted footballer. He's someone that can carry the ball. He's someone that can offer something defensively. Listen, he's not a, a left back. So at times you will see a few defensive frailties there, like we saw with the first goal, I think. Uh, sorry, the Southampton goal. But I thought he was good yesterday at left back. I still don't want to see him there long term, but to be honest, he was effective because he was that spare man and he was picking up that space that Ronnie McGree was basically leaving him. And he's just good on the ball. Like technically he's, he's good. I think his touches is decent. As I said, he's a good dribbler, good ball carrier. He's a foul magnet. We've already seen that already. And I think that providing that option, and and to be honest, I think with what Carrick had probably told him to do is get up the pitch. Sometimes you're only as good as what your manager tells you to do in the tactics. And I would like to see if Lucas Engel comes back into the team at some point, him play how Lewis O'Brien did in just getting up the pitch and making sure to be that option if Borough do need to get out of pressure situations and they need that switch over to the left-hand side that it can be delivered and that we can maybe start an attack from that side instead so yeah I don't want to see him there long term but he was effective yesterday I'll give him I'll give him and carry the props for that but yeah Lewis O'Brien for me put him as the as the number eight and we'll see him properly properly flourish i think he's a fantastic footballer yeah well i think we'll but unfortunately i think we'll still see him at left back for the next couple of weeks, i do I too yeah i do too uh, and i think bangor might come back in uh, i think angle just needs some time out i think <laughs> just, he just need time out with justin come back in and then just gradually bring angle back into the fold i think he's i think he still will be a good sign i am confident i am very confident and i know people will be like oh well he's crap and he doesn't want to do this and he's rubbish but i think <laughs> it's just it's i think sometimes with football it's, it's just funny isn't it i think where and, and any player as well, or anyone moves to a different club, and everything expects to be the same, but it's not. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're a footballer, and it, even when you did a day job, like you could have the same role and move to a same company, and but it's in a different industry, and everything is completely different. And it's just like, okay, well, this needs a transition period. You have like six months to adjust. Football, it's like, nah, if you don't click within that first week, you're the worst footballer in the world, and you're the worst player. I never ever want to see you again, and you're crap. It's just, it's just, it's just me with Silvera on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I, I just find football so interesting. Go on, go on, Tom. I was going to say, it, it does seem like you're either one extreme or the other with, with football because in the first eight games, I've seen opinions on, say, Johnny House and go from, oh, he's going to walk straight back into the team when he's back to, oh, he's finished. And I don't think those people would be saying he's finished after yesterday. So it's just like that meat is constantly moving back and forth depending on performances. Yeah, and like you know, I think it's just it's just interesting. Isn't it? Like even if you say like something positive in a negative moment, yeah, like rose tinted. And if you say something negative in a positive moment, you're the most negative person in the world, and everyone hates you. And all that kind of stuff. it's just it's just interesting football. And I don't think I just don't know why we see the game so differently to the different parts of life, do you know what I mean? And also, I think Borough, like, could even help this with just, like, if you bring out a content series or, like, how Borough players, what they're doing. Like, the Isaiah Jones things last year, last year when he came out and said, I had a lot of stuff going on, everyone was just like, well, I explained bloody everything and everyone was just, like, slagging him off for a full season. But having that context really does matter. And I think some things obviously are private, but just little things like that can go, like, a huge difference in trying to understand how a player is and how they can adapt. But 
I just want to move on time. I just want to talk about Josh Corbin, Joshy TRT, because <laughs> can he make this position his own? Because he was fantastic yesterday, wasn't he? I think he can, and yes, he was uh, fantastic yesterday. Some of the 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 build up play that he was contributing to, I thought was was outstanding. It's not something we had previously in that position last year. Uh, obviously, it's a very different stature of player and. Cameron Archer that we've obviously tried to replicate with um, with like their laugh. I do wonder if what they're asking from Coburn now is kind of similar in terms of the build-up play to what uh, was required from Akpom last season. But I was reading a, an article in the Northern Echo this morning um, where apparently it's been said that the Coburn is the the number one striker for for the moment. So he, he can absolutely make that position his, his own. I thought he was unlucky not to get a goal yesterday. And yeah, he, he was just—he was very, very good to watch. I thought in the uh, in terms of that target man role and, uh, and and helping build the play up. Yeah, and for me, I thought it was like kind of like a coming of age performance for me. I looked at him, I was like, wow, you've actually developed your game so much in the last twelve months. He was less raw than what we've seen previously, and the little things that like he was trying to like peel players off. You know, he's like elbowing somehow a belt the like the next the next week. And I think just the game against Sheffield Wednesday where it was just a nice little nice little nudge on the center half and he went flying. And it was very much Saul <laughs> Campbell Saul Campbell slide tackle esque where like it's flying <laughs> off the pitch. And it was just it was just great to see it and I don't want to overreg him because it's very early. He's very young. But from the 90 minutes and the, the game against Sheffield Wednesday, I thought it was really bright, really positive. Brought everyone in the game, what you want him to bring in. Can we just get a partnership going with someone else in the team? The, the game, what I can't remember a little bit last year where Crooks played that position where Colburn's doing now before Arch came into the team. Quite similar. But he's, I think he's doing a, a much, much better job. You can kind of see he's a proper striker in, in that front. But in terms of partnerships, there, like Corburn, Crooks, the front front four really did work well yesterday, to be honest. I thought they were really, really good and effective. But can you see this being the front four for the foreseeable, which I'd like to see us make just some like nice re- adjustments and refinements? No, I would keep this the same because now that we've landed on a formula that got us the win and not only got us the win but worked in terms of performance I think it would be a bit daft of us to abandon that obviously the in terms of the team as a whole there's a question mark over Rav Vandenberg because he went off injured but I think in terms of that attack you keep it relatively well I keep I think you keep it the same um a point on Crooks as well by the way you mentioned the word effective there I think Crooks was effective as well he's got a lot of criticism over the the past couple of weeks well pretty much since the start of the season to be honest and probably before that too but I thought that he was really effective in just linking up and dropping deep and moving to that right hand side when need be just to provide a passing option for for Crooks and Rav Vandenberg when they're combining and then on Corburn as well the way that he won that um, penalty, what on earth was Howard Bellis trying to argue? He literally pulled him straight down. Like you've got, you've literally got a lot of legs to stand on there. Um, Howard Bellis, by the way, in my opinion, plays still plays for Burnley, plays for Southampton, probably plays for Leicester, also Bournemouth and Crystal Palace. I also feel like if you play for Crystal Palace, you play for Fulham. So. Howard Bellis is one of those players where I'm like, you play for like every single team simultaneously. But anyway, yeah, on Howard Bellis as well. I remember when he was uh, under uh, under company and he struggled so much. It was his first law, and I was like, wow, like you need a lot of work, my friend. <laughs> and he was young, but he came and he obviously did so well last year. But I always think that 
he just needs more to his game. He got bullied off Corbo yep. yesterday. He got, he he got bullied, and it was frustrating. I think I'd be very, very frustrated if I was Salam fan on that, on that front. But on a defender at our side, Tom uh, Rav Vandenberg, um, I thought he was excellent yesterday at right back. But going off injured, obviously we don't know what's happened. Nothing's being confirmed yet by the club. But do you think it'd be a bit of a blow to, to lose Rav Vandenberg? He looked brilliant yesterday. You know, you know what? Yeah, I would say so. I think given how bad the performance has been as a team for the start of the season, I think he's kind of gone under the radar a little bit in terms of his performances because he's never been one that's been singled out for being bad or anything like that. But he's already coming on leaps and bounds, I think, in terms of how he's fitting the team and developing. He seems to have that very, very good knack of winning defensive duels. It just seems like no one can can get past him at times. I thought he did excellently against Ryan, Ryan Fraser in the first half. Yeah, I just in, in terms of that, that right-back position as well, you'd want someone in there kind of emulating what Tommy Smith uh, did last season in, t- in terms of getting up and supporting the play on the right. And at first, it I mean, I, I said it on the last podcast of the podcast before, it didn't look like he was going to be the, the one to do that. Didn't think he looked like a fullback. Yesterday, he proved me wrong on that. Very happy to be proven wrong on that. He was he was getting up in support. He was he was doing very well in terms of the combinations on that right hand side. But yeah, I, I think every time I watch Vandenberg, he looks better. So I definitely don't want to lose him from the the team for any extended period of time. Yeah, I, I think you're saying there, Tom. All the, all the strengths that he has and how he reads the game was was really really good yesterday. And for a 19 year old as well, and he's younger than Josh Corburn, which is insane. And I just think he just reads the game brilliantly. His defensive rate, rate was good. I don't mind him on that right right hand side, and because you can learn more when you're on on the wide, wide positions, and then you can slowly start to come more central as you get a little bit older and more experienced. I feel like he will do that. I think he could sell him on for millions. I really do. He's he's got a lot of he's got a lot a lot of talent. And fingers crossed. And I won't overreact because I think you know you can make one mistake. Like he did against Huddersfield, and he was the worst thing in the world. Uh, but now it's uh, it's now a very positive thing. And yeah, just looks really good. Uh, we'll be ashamed to to lose him now. So hopefully, fingers crossed, Borough can come out and say something, and we can kind of address that. But Tommy Smith came in second half, played decent. I think everyone played quite well yesterday. So it was overall really positive display. Absolutely buzzing. First win of the season. I'm so happy. So well done, team. We are all very happy. For questions, it's time for your podcast questions. Ah, yes. Podcast questions. It's the chance each week you get to send us a question via email borobreakdown at hotmail.com or Twitter at borough underscore breakdown or by joining our Telegram chat with over 360 Bora fans chatting everything but Bora. And it's so interesting, isn't it, when you know Bora are winning games, the questions start to decrease. And we've got just the one uh, this week, and it's from, it's from an email it's from Luke. And it says, first of all, massive congratulations to Tom for Lenahan finally bundling a home corner. But I mean, Riley McGray ruined that bet. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but it says with Matt Clark returning and McNair always looking better as one of the three centre halves, is it worth trying out a back five? Is he look good against Wednesday? I haven't seen him, but this is season. He sat as a winger, but I think he's better at uh, right wing back. Uh, he can help us out a lot this season uh, up the borough. So, 
I'll give this to you, Dana. What do you think? I mean, this could change. I'll give him that Borough have won this message was sent just after the the Sheffield Wednesday game. Can you see Borough maybe shifting to a back five at some point uh, this season? No, I don't think so. It's probably too drastic. A, 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 well, actually, is it? Because we do play with a, with a back three and that three two five. I don't know, especially given the result and the performance yesterday. I don't think so. I think Borough have got a, a good thing going. At, well, we hope that they've got a good thing going with the system that we implemented yesterday. And I just, I don't really want to see from a standing start because, you know, we do play with a 3 2 5, uh, three, two, five a, a 4 2 3 1 from a standing start. It then becomes a, a 3 2 5. But from a standing start, I don't necessarily want to see that. Uh, three at the back so yeah I, I get the point about like personnel personally I think that Jones should be a winger I know that previously he's played as a wing back arguably his best football came in that position but I do want to see him as a winger just so they can let the defenders defend and then we can see Isaiah Jones in those high areas hopefully get into the byline like I saw Dealey wanted uh, and getting the ball in the box so yeah and the, the the thing with Matt Clark as well yes he is returning but he hasn't played for <clears throat> quite some time so he's going to be lacking Matt Sharpness and McNair has been off the boil so I wouldn't really change things as uh, where we left off from Southampton okay then well let's move on uh, let's move on to the prayers in place Ah, yes, the praise and place. The praise and place is the place where to give praise to a player, a coach and staff. I'll bore breakdown shirts and much, much more. Um, but who's going to get our place in the praise and place this week? Tom Green. I mean, you kind of let the, the cat back a little bit earlier um, by mentioning his name. But who's in your place in the praise and place this week? Well, I've I've got three this week, oh, well. um, and and it was hard to narrow it down to to three from the eleven that played yesterday. Starting off, Isaiah Jones, I thought man of the match yesterday, did did extremely well. Like I said, back to his best or, or close to that. But one thing I would like to to kind of point out is the improvement in in his crossing. I thought. It was last season, maybe, maybe the season before, where we were kind of discussing it and we were like, he has a very awkward crossing style, doesn't really get it off the floor. Didn't see that at all yesterday. I, I thought some of the deliveries he was putting in were, were pretty good. In terms of the build-up as well, I, I do remember in the in the first half, I think it was Corburn kind of nodded it down to him and he, he pretty much volleyed it forward for, for McGree to run onto. And it's, it's not what I'm used to seeing from Jones, so... I would say that's a, a definite improvement in this game. And then the other two I would like to mention are Josh Coburn and Rav Vandenberg. Coburn, I thought, extremely good yesterday in that target man role. I love watching a target man in football. Johnny, as you'll probably know from playing with me in seven asides, I, I just thought he did so well. The the link-ups with the uh, the other attacking midfielders were, were great. And like we said earlier, he can definitely uh, make that position his own. And it's a, it's a slight change to the system from from last year, but it does seem like it would be a positive one. And then Rav Vandenberg, like I said earlier, just looks better every time we see him play. I really hope he's not injured for any uh, extended period of time. Yeah, absolutely. They're good th- a good three there, Tom. I'm going to join you with two of them. Uh, I think Corburn and, and Rav Vandenberg are, are probably my 
nominees uh, f- for this week, but also, and just to move away from Bora for a minute, I actually want to say what's in the present place for me is uh, I went to the Lionesses game on, on Friday at the Stadium of Light, and it was so good. And I just want to say it, it deserves to be in my present place. Like, the atmosphere was mint. Um, it was really nice to like kind of see like kids with like the parents, and they were just like kind of saying like, "What does this mean? What does that mean?" And like Mary Epps got the ball right for, for a goal kick, and she got a standing ovation, and like everyone was like screaming her name, and I was like, "God, that's just so nice, isn't it? It's just so the nice." Girls are mint. Um, that's why. Yeah, and it was really nice to see uh, the, the team as well play because I've I've never seen them live before in terms of obviously like like in, in person and like just like the shape and the tweaks, and it was just a really good game standing in. And yeah, just just want to give them a little shout out because I just really, really enjoyed the experience. And I'm 100 going again to watch them because yeah, it was really fun. But Dana, who's in in your present place this week? Well, firstly, I love that Johnny get on board with the lionesses. They are they're just mint. The girls are mint. But in my present place this week, you've mentioned it about Corburn, but I haven't, so I'll I'll do my my duty to here. Yeah, some of his link up play and hold up play to shield the ball from. You know, championship winner last season in Taylor Howard Bellis with such ease and poise and confidence, and to bring others into play from there and progress Borough's attacking moves, I thought was was excellent. It, it really it did feel a little bit Johnny like a coming of age performance. We don't want to go too big, of course, but it's good to praise players, and we haven't had a lot to praise recently. So I think Corbin's performance was really, really good. I enjoyed it. Jones, again, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I agree on Ralph Vandenberg. His composure on the ball is really good. And I think his defensive moments as well are, are good. Like this is someone that's just recently turned 19 and is playing for the, the Netherlands under 21s. Like there's something about him. And I think Borough fans knew that because of the, the names of the clubs that were linked with him prior to him signing for us, but we're seeing it now. And yeah, I, I like Rav Vandenberg. And so three players in the praise of place there and, and I'll put Matt Crooks in there too because as I said earlier I thought he was effective and given the fact that he's been um, the victim of, of some stick and criticism of late I just want to put him there too because um, I absolutely love Matt Crooks his face fell off my wall and it went in the bin actually but I took it out and uh, and he's and he's there the big beautiful tree uh, that's nice. I mean, welcome back, Matt Crooks, uh, to the fault. Um, I'm glad you made <laughs> out the bin, uh, to be honest. Uh, yeah. It'll soon be on, on the Christmas tree very, very soon. It will. <laughs> Give it a few weeks. Um, well, let, <laughs> let's... Uh, well, all, all the praise, and I'm assuming everyone's going to have a lot of praise for different players as well, so do let us know who's in your present place as well. But let's move on uh, to Bradford now, because the last time Borough and Bradford played each other in the League Cup was in 1984. Uh, it was in the two legs. Borough won 2-0 in the first, and then drew 2-2 in the second. But if we want to talk about Bradford right now, because it's no longer 1984, um, <laughs> maybe could be in some weird time shift. Um, but the, they were the, the fourth lowest scorers in the league prior to yesterday, where they beat Newport 4-1 away from home. Uh, they're unbeaten in sixth. They've won three and drawn three. And also, we played them in preseason. Remember, we drew 3 3, and everyone was up in arms. And you'll notice three former Borough players in there as well, Richie Small with Brad Halliday, of course, who didn't who didn't make a first team appearance. And also, Elliot Venice's favorite player, Sam Stubbs, uh, which is <laughs> someone who has listened to this podcast many, many moons ago. Uh, Elliot said that Sam Stubbs is going to make it through, uh, be the breakthrough star one season, and then got shipped out about a week later to like St. Mirren, I think. Uh, it was a St. Mirren, but yeah, some Scottish team. But yeah, he went out there, so never played for the Borough. But they played a 
4-2-1 shape, like to counter-attack on that right-hand side. They like to do hold possession when they can. Uh, Matthews aside, they are trying to be a serve in that midfield area and try to compact the midfield, uh, especially with that 4-2 uh, in midfield. It's very much a box midfield, um, which Borough have struggled against in the past. But predictions time. Um, Tom Green, I'll come to you. Uh, what is your prediction against uh, Bradford? Because you know, uh, you know, obviously the last time Borough were in this position, they went on to win the League Cup, and you know, this... twenty-year anniversary. It's written in. I really want us uh, to play the same team that that started yesterday against Bradford, and 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 really kind of go for some consistency. I think one change I can probably foresee is Glover coming in in place of Dieng. Don't want to see that, but I just feel like Glover is going to be our cup keeper and get the get the cup game, so I can see it happening. If we do go with that that um, strategy and try the the same eleven that started injuries permitting, then I I think Borough win that three 0 Wow, bold prediction, very very bold. Dana, what are you going to go for? Any predictions about the team scoreline moments? You never know. Um. Well, I'm going, so there will be Egmeos on the bus, Egmeosani's on the bus, much to Johnny's dismay. I uh, I agree with Tom. I think to keep the same team would probably be the best move, but I don't see that happening. I just think a little bit of consistency and regularity will, will probably benefit Borough here, even though it is the cup and you can obviously make changes quite easily. I would like to see Latte Lath and, and Morgan Rogers be integrated into the game off the bench and, and have enough time because they've obviously uh, missed out of late. So it'd be good to get them back into it, albeit not from, from the start. I reckon Borough win 3-1 and I'm going for that because uh, me and Dave are going, of course, and, and Dad always goes for 3-1. So yeah, let's see 3-1. It almost happened yesterday. It probably should have happened, but it, it didn't quite. So we're reserving it for Tuesday, I think. Okay then, well, disgusting behaviour, taking an egg sign, he's on a bus. Disgusting behaviour. No, I'm not growing up. You know what? It's disgusting. And people no, I'm, that I'm, I'm coming with Dana at me on this one. No, Exani's no, are the best smelling thing on the bus, and I can back that up from the Man United <laughs> trip. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Um, disgusting behaviour. And people at me saying that people do like deserve Exani's on the bus and in the car. Go away. Not happening. Especially if you if you dare to bring an egg sandwich in my car on the way to, to Anfields uh, for the Oh FCA, I will. I will getting kicked out of my car. I will happily throw you out the the, the window. I'll get I'll get Matt to do it anyway. Um Don't bring Matt so, into this. No, he will agree with me. I hope he does anyway. If he does, we're not gonna have a graphic designer for much longer. Sorry, Matt. Uh <laughs> Matt's just in his house now. It's like Oh my god, he's talking to me from my TV. Um, <laughs> but also, no to egg signings. I'm sorry. Uh, but my prediction is going to be uh, I'm going to go 2 0 Borough. And also, if a Borough player is watching this or listening, or if we score, I want us to run over to a corner flag, just take up the corner, and then just celebrate like that. And say, like, that's, that's what I want. I just want a celebration like that. It's old fashioned, but I think we need to bring these celebrations back. You know, Get the, the Roger one Miller going. Yeah, like the one arm up, the, set, the other arm up, both arms up, you know. The, the corner flag, it's it's just missed. None of these gritty celebrations. The old-fashioned ones are missed. <laughs> anyway, right, I'm going to round this off because I'm going on a, a tangent. But uh, Borough are uh, up and running. It's the first win of the season and only eight points off the playoffs. And we're off. 
up the board breakdown. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.